Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Table Talk for Moms. I'm Kristen, and today I'm here with my good friend Ariel Finlinson. We are going to talk about all kinds of things that are more for adult ears than kid ears. So if you're playing this out loud, maybe with this episode, grab some earbuds um, so, so little ears can't hear today. Um, now, before we jump into everything, Ariel, I have a question for you, just while the mom, the moms get their earbuds. But um, what is your favorite thing to eat in the summer? I love summertime, so and I love food, so I thought this would be a fun one. I love ice cream. And when I was younger, I used to always tease my mom because she always just wanted vanilla ice cream, but now that's all I want too. I just love a good vanilla ice cream, maybe add some fresh berries, some salted caramel, oh, and man. I'm set. Well, now I want ice cream. That sounds delicious. <laughs> yes. I think- it's pretty much like a nightly thing in my oh, house. Oh, okay. We're not the only one. My husband, I think, eats ice cream every single night. It's just his thing, but... Um, I'll be honest, I like ice cream is good, but I am like a cake person. Even in the hot summer months, I will eat cake and ice cream all day, every day if you get it. <laughs> I'm not a cake person pretty much ever. So <laughs> you I'm can done. have the cake all eat the ice cream. It's perfect. Done. I knew we were meant to be friends. It's true. It is true. Now, Ariel, we kind of met in funny circumstances. Uh, you want to tell them how we met? <laughs> <laughs> we play floor hockey together. <laughs> yes, we do. Now we have a bunch of cute ladies. There's a lot of us. There's, I don't know, sometimes like 20 will show up and we have our tennis shoes and our shin guards and our hockey sticks and we just play on like a church gym floor. But it is so much fun. It's so, so much fun. fun right. <laughs> We're Ariel and I are both addicted to it. We play we multiple times a week. <laughs> so if you come to Logan, write us. We'll tell you the info. Come play. Yes, yes, we will tell you. Come play. It's so fun. But one day we were playing hockey, and Ariel, you just started talking very openly about all kinds of things, and it kind of made my head turn. Like, did she just say that out loud? <laughs> um, things most people don't talk about, and that's when you told me that you are a sex educator, and your main goal is to help women like uncover joy in sex. And since then, I'm not gonna lie, I was super excited because this is something I'm a little more passionate about. I, I, I think that things need to be said more, uh, more of an open conversation, and so. From from that moment, I was like, I need to get her on this podcast. So <laughs> I'm so glad you are here today to talk with all of us about these kind of hard questions and hard topics that most people don't talk about out loud. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, so you just graduated, right? I did. 
Okay. Tell us a little bit about that. What'd you graduate in? Yeah. So I just graduated with my master's of human development and family studies. And my focus was on couple sexuality, specifically women's sexuality, because that's something I'm so passionate about. I just feel like if we as women can be empowered to see the potential we have in our relationships and especially our sexual relationships with our spouse, we can have so much more joy in other aspects of our life as well. And I've, I'm just so excited (laughs) to get to talk about this because it's my favorite thing to talk about. And I want women to have the joy we deserve. I just think so many of us live below our potential, especially for, I'm, I'm a religious person and I believe in committed relationships and especially in committed relationships, research even shows like there's more potential for orgasm for women, for more pleasure in sex. But I think so many of us struggle because of cultural and even religious norms that are kind of passed down mm-hmm. through our society that hold us back. Yeah, no, I love that. And I, I'm i not going to lie. I'm kind of nervous to talk about it because it's <laughs> something we don't talk about openly ever. Is that why you're in a closet? <laughs> I'm, in a closet I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it's so funny. Well, okay. So a few months ago, I I went on a little trip with, I went on a little girl's trip with some old friends and we started talking Um again, about things I usually don't talk about. Um, and most of them talked about not really having a sexual desire. And I was like, Oh, I, I get that, you know, like as a, <laughs> as a mom of five and everyone's touching me all day and not, I guess not my older kids, but I have a little <laughs> baby who's like 18 months. And by the time, you know, <laughs> it's that time of night, I'm just like, I'm exhausted. I, you know, I don't want to do this. So I guess my question for you is, is I mean, a lot of women talk about not having desire. So what, what are kind of your thoughts on that? Do you care? You share tips, tricks, anything. I'll take anything right now. <laughs> I have so many thoughts on that. And first, I just want to say, I love that you have a group of women you can talk to about this. Cause that's actually one reason I created ladies talking love is because oh, I, I feel it. like we need these safe places to learn from other women. Cause of course the goal is to go back to your husband and to be able to talk openly with him and work through these things. Like that's the main goal. But a lot of times we need that connection to learn from and talk with women because our husband is not a woman. And there are just really specific things to women that men may not understand and they haven't been taught either. So Mm -hmm. I love that you have that. (laughs) And with desire, this is a huge one. We hear this all the time, like especially for people who may have waited to – be sexual until they got married, you may have felt a lot of desire pre-marriage. <laughs> and then suddenly like <laughs> you get married and a while and you're like, wow, I actually don't care about having sex anymore. I have no yeah. desire. Yeah. So a couple of things that are really important to know that a lot of our society, a lot of the media, it portrays something called spontaneous desire. And this is more common in men. I don't remember the stats exactly, but I think it's about 75% of men have spontaneous desire. And this is exactly what you're thinking. Like they see their wife or like get out of the shower and it's like, oh, okay, let's have sex. I'm ready. Right. And it's just really can the arousal and desire can just kind of happen instantaneously. 
the, the thing we don't realize <laughs> is that there's something called responsive desire. And the majority of women have responsive desire. And if you're thinking, wait, my husband's on the other side and he has, but he doesn't have spontaneous, he may have responsive desire. So this is really helpful just to understand because if either of us don't fall into the categories we're expected to, Uh then we think something's wrong with us, right? (laughs) And as women, I think we think something's wrong with us because spontaneous desire is what is portrayed as normal, natural, the one that's better, (laughs) right? (laughs) And so responsive desire, something I like to talk about a lot is that a lot of women think they don't have desire, but you probably just have responsive desire. So you do have desire. It just takes a little bit of time to understand how to reach in and activate that desire. Tell me more. more. (laughs) Obviously, that's me. (laughs) Yes. And I think, and this happens so much. Research talks about it as well. Um, Rosemary Basson, she's done a lot of research kind of on this because for a long time, the research was talking about how this curve, Meston, or not Meston, but sorry, hold on, a Masters and Johnson. They just like have this curve of like, you start to get aroused, you reach the peak, and then you have a climax, right? So this is what we've all heard. But for women, especially women in committed relationships and especially moms, right, who are getting touched all day, our desire can be piqued by a lot of other things like love, (laughs) like a good conversation, a back rub, seeing, um, having our husband take the kids and giving us alone time. And so with responsive desire, what this kind of takes is first of all, recognizing that responsive desire is desire and it is normal. And even if you don't feel desire at the moment where you decide, oh, I'm willing to have a sexual experience, being willing is the initiation of that responsive (laughs) desire. And so just being open to it, then you and your spouse can talk about and decide like, so what helps me get to this point? Because there's something called an arousal threshold, right? So you have to, Mm -hmm. most women need some type of physical arousal to reach, start being physically aroused. And once they reach a certain point in their physical arousal, the mental desire will come in, right? So (laughs) instead of what we see in the media of like, oh, I'm ready to have sex right now just because my husband walks in the door, right? Like Mm -hmm. that's not usually realistic. So this could look like, for example, in the morning, you're thinking, oh, okay, I want to connect with my husband. Maybe we can have sex tonight. What am I going to do throughout the day to be open to this and ready to move into the moment, right? So you can be, maybe send a sexy text, right? Like, hey, babe, let's plan having some time tonight. Um, Start just thinking about having sex with your spouse. Think about things that he's done for you in the past. Maybe have him tell him like, hey, I'd love to connect better tonight. I'd love to have sex. I'd need some help getting there though. Help me throughout the day. Like come home. I'd need some alone time to take a shower if you can put the kids to bed. So just like it's kind of trial and error, but finding these things and being willing to move into the mood versus expecting to be there. I like that though. Thinking about it all day, I, that's never happened for me. You know, like <laughs> right. You know, like, like oh, okay. I guess I guess we can. You know, like, <laughs> yes. Another huge tip too. I think I'm 
I'm guilty of this too. And some people prefer it at night, but like sometimes I wait until I'm at that exhaustion point. And I am totally a fan of like turning on a show for my kids and going in her bedroom in at like 5.30, right? Like it doesn't have to be after the kids are in bed. It's actually a lot of people shy away from like, oh, what if our kids realize we're having sex? That's really healthy for your kids to know that you love each other. You won't say that out loud, but I love it. <laughs> like you love each other and you're spending time and you're prioritizing each other. Like what better thing for our kids to see then of course don't neglect them, but it's not neglecting them to, you know, turn on a show for an hour. So those are some tips. Do you have any other questions or (laughs) things you want me to cover? My mind is just whirling right now. Like, so (laughs) (laughs) no, but I, I love that idea. I love that kind of thinking it through throughout the day, like also getting myself prepped and ready, you know, in the day instead of at night where I'm not ready at all. And it's like, Oh, okay. You know? And so I think, (laughs) I really like that. And prepping our husbands too. Like they can be part of this exploration with us. Like, hey, I'm discovering, I just found out from this random lady on a podcast that maybe I have responsive desire. Like what, I want to try some things. Let's see what can help me move into the mood to be ready for sex. This doesn't mean I don't love you because I don't feel it spontaneously. We just have different types of desire, right? And let's figure out what works for both of us. No, I love that. Um, okay. Kind of going off script here just cause so many questions whirling through my head. <laughs> um, and sorry if this might be a little TMI, TMI. There's really not. Okay. okay. Stuff, so you're good. <laughs> okay. So a lot of it, like I know most of the time I'm in my head, like in my own head, whether it's like body confidence, whether it's I'm tired, whether it's, you know, and so I just never get there. And so sometimes it's frustrating for me. Any any tips or advice or just anything with that? Oh, it is so hard. First, I just want to acknowledge that that is such a hard place because <laughs> I have been there for many years. And that's actually one reason, too, why I'm so passionate is because I've gone through all of this. I still am, right? I just had a baby. I have to relearn no. everything, right? No. <laughs> um, and it can be such a hard place to be. I think one of the things is to kind of do the homework yourself and figure out like what beliefs you might have around sex, what beliefs you might Mm -hmm. have around body image, around male sexuality that could be affecting this. And then a lot of like Dr. Shalom Levitt, she's a researcher at Brigham Young University and she focuses a lot on sexual mindfulness. And I just love this idea because she talks about the importance of mindfulness. And I think that's huge in sexual encounters because especially as women and men, but like our biggest sexual organ is actually our brain. And if you're not able to be present, you aren't going to feel aroused because you're like, did I take the laundry out? Does the dog need to go out? Right? Like, what are we going to have for dinner? What's in my fridge? Is that a kid knocking on my door? Right? There's just so many things. Did I lock the door? They're going to walk in. Like, there's so many things that go through your head. And so practicing mindfulness outside of sexual encounters is a great way. And then also there's a book I actually have never read the whole book, so I always think it's funny that I recommend this so highly. But in this book, <laughs> it um, it does something called orgasmic meditations, and they're a set amount of time, so it's like only 15 minutes. 
you and your spouse sit down and he like touches your vulva, right? And you're just kind of practicing being mindful and communicating like, oh, maybe try this side. And it's not supposed to end in sex. It's not like a sexual encounter as in we're ending in sex. We're both being aroused. It's just focusing on the woman and helping her be really in tune with her body. And after 15 minutes, it's over. They tell you what to do. So I just love that idea. It feels really vulnerable because you're like, what are we doing? And we're focusing on me, which is really hard for us as women, especially I think as moms, because we're, you know, always give, give, giving and taught to give. Our society teaches us that. But to allow our spouse to focus on us and learn, and then we practice really being in tune with our bodies can be really helpful to focus on those feelings and being more present in the sexual encounter. I totally forgot the name of the book off the top of my head, but I'll give it to Kristen. You can put it in the notes after. Sorry about that. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's just fine. Ariel, you talked a little bit about, you know, things... Things that are hard for women. And I know that sometimes uh, there's a, the social media and movies and everything portrays things so differently. And so I just, I don't even know how to word this, but like, I know that there are myths out there that kind of harm women. You know, I was wondering, does that make sense? Could you talk more about that? Oh, totally. How much time do we have, Kristen? Do we have like two hours? <laughs> Well, we'll do an abbreviated version, but there's so many things. I think one of the top things is this belief around the definition of sex, right? If if right. someone were to ask you like, hey, did you have sex last night? The first thought that would probably come to your head was, did intercourse occur, right? And so this right. definition is so male-centered that we focus on what usually brings men the most pleasure which often is intercourse, and and then it leaves out female pleasure. So I think that's one of the biggest misunderstandings that we have. And so then I know for me at times in my life, and still <laughs> I still work on these things, I haven't overcome everything I wish I had, but we're all in a journey, just kind of like in sexual encounters, it's like this goal to reach intercourse versus this goal to be together and to feel pleasure together and to let that be our guide versus like reaching this end goal of intercourse and orgasm for him. And then it's like, oh, I guess it's over (laughs) once he goes, right? And just so many of those things that can hold us back instead of seeing like, hey, maybe let's focus on me first and then we'll do you, or maybe we'll have you go first and then we'll focus on me, which that can be so hard to have someone focus on us. I know, <laughs> but yeah. I I actually love that idea. It's something I've wrestled with for so long in my life working on this. Like, and I've been pretty mad. I'm like, why is this so hard for women? Right? Like, right. we right. give so much uh, physically with like menstruation, and if we've had babies, like, and all the afterbirth, like, so much physically, and then here's this thing that is supposed to be so <laughs> pleasurable, and it's like this is really hard. Like, why isn't this so easy? Like it seems to be for my husband. Right. Right. And, and I've just kind of come to the belief that I really think this is an opportunity for us to allow our husband to love on us. And Mm -hmm. we need to allow that to happen, that it's really a time 
for us to be focused more inward and allow other people to serve us. Because most men, not all, some men have responsive desire, right? But for most men, being aroused is fairly straightforward. And so allowing them to focus and get us aroused is a work in progress, but something I think is so beautiful to let them focus on us. And taking that arousal with like touching our clitoris and our vulva and focusing on those parts of our bodies, our nipples, our breasts, our skin, like all of these parts of our bodies, our inner thighs, our perineum, like have so much potential for pleasure. And often we're just, you know, going to intercourse because that's what sex is, right? No, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) Man. Okay. Okay. I I feel like (laughs) almost like, all right. I, we're okay then we're okay because it, it always in my head it was just like yep it's just intercourse that's what it is you know but I do enjoy those other things so yeah. I, I love this I love this conversation and I love like telling people talk with your spouse and redefine what sex means for you if you need to even if sex is too tainted of a word to use anymore because it just means intercourse too much like use a different word like yeah. making love or, you know, if there's other options that you could use to make it include female pleasure and male pleasure and for what is you guys both want sexual encounters to be like for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't until I started meeting with these ladies that um, they introduced a vibrator to me. And I'll be honest, that was the best gift I have ever gotten <laughs> in my whole life. Uh, All right, Kristen, you're going to have to link the one you like in the show notes for listeners. Okay, we're getting a little personal here, but you're welcome, everyone. You're welcome. <laughs> no, but truly, like, I I, I just didn't even know that was a thing. Like, because yeah. I, I, well, not again, but I grew up more in a, a religious culture where you didn't really talk about sex, like, at all until you're married. And I'll be honest, my the, the first night was like, whoa this is what this is like I just I lived in a bubble I had no idea and I wish I would have I don't know I don't know what you do like study beforehand I don't know but um we don't have the resources we need that's that's why I'm like we've got to have this so I'm working on it I'm working on it thank you you for those resources (laughs) because then I'll have somewhere for my my kids I can send them to I mean obviously we'll talk about it but yeah. A place to send. And but- I think it's just so sad. Your experience, I think, is so similar. It's very similar to mine. Like mm-hmm. the honeymoon, our, if that was your sexual di- debut or when you ever you had your sexual debut, it's like, oh, I guess this is it. And we kind of view this as like a one and done, that this mm-hmm. is what it is. And I just think that's so sad because if we think about any other type of relationship, aspect of relationships or like basketball players, right? You know, any type of sport, they're working their whole entire lives to improve. It's never like, all right, Steph Curry doesn't need to practice anymore, right? Like he's constantly working on it. And I wish we would view our sex lives in that same way and give ourselves so much grace to be like, oh, this is my sexual debut. And now that I'm married for 10, 20 years, like I'm still learning. Look at how many changes have happened in our bodies and I'm relearning and we're getting closer and more comfortable and, and just seeing this as a journey and a never ending process, which might sound daunting, but I actually think that's so beautiful that we get to 
work on this and become closer throughout our marriage instead of like, well, I guess what happened on our honeymoon, I guess that's, that's what it is. And this is the pattern we're going to have for forever, you know, forever. Yeah. 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 Okay. So my, my question is, is like, I do want to change things up, but I don't necessarily want to Google things, you know, <laughs> is there, do you know of a place that can help? I don't know, help you get ideas. Like I am so new to this and my husband was also a virgin before we met. And so he's also still new, even though we've been married for 17 years. Yeah. I still feel like there's still more that we can learn. I just don't know how to go about it without, I don't know, almost like not necessarily lowering my standards, but I don't want to be looking at porn, you know? And so. Totally. And porn is the a really bad place because it's not realistic, yeah, right? Exactly. Like, That's not real at all. <laughs> real people don't look like that. Or no. And do the, yeah. So I, there are a lot of great places to learn. And I, that's one reason I went into what I did too, is like, I want a safe place for women to learn, to take it to their families, to talk with their husbands, to teach their kids and not feel like they're Googling and what's going to come up. Right. Right. Um, so I, I have some courses that are coming out that I would love for people to take. There'll be online ones, in-person seminars, my podcast, ladies talking love. And then there's other great Christian, uh, religious-based educators. Uh, Carly Palmer Webb is a great one. She's the the Christian sex educator. Jennifer Finlayson Fife, Kristen Hodson, um, Dr. Camden Morganti. These are all people, um, a lot of them have podcasts, they have courses, websites, and these are all really great places that I've loved learning from people about sex and uncovering some of these things that we struggle with. No, I love that. I love that. And I appreciate the list. Like, I think I follow one person on there. I'm like, oh, I recognize that name. <laughs> you know, sometimes I just need a little bit extra help. So <laughs> We all do. We all do. <laughs> it makes me feel better. All right. So we've talked about kind of the women's myths, but you once talked to me about that there are male sexuality myths that could possibly harm women. Do you you want to kind of talk on that a little bit? Yes. There's a researcher. Her name is Dr. Sarah, Sarah Hunter-Murray. I have a podcast episode with her. I can give you the link too. But yes. when I saw her book come out, this book is titled Not Always in the Mood. And immediately I was like, I need this book. Like this book is something I've been looking for just because there's so many myths about male sexuality. And she talks about in her book, she's like, even in research, we just kind of took male sexuality as like high, high desire, always in the mood and just took it as fact. And so when she went into research, she's like, I actually want to see what male sexuality is like and, and, and look at men and see what they're feeling and seeing. And just this beautiful research came out that male sexuality is so much more nuanced than we give men credit for. Mm -hmm. And, and we kind of have, this happens in religious culture as well. Like if you grew up in a religious culture with purity culture, like think of modesty, right? (laughs) If modesty was taught to you as a really specific dress code, it may have been taught as you need to cover up because you're going to make men sin or think unpure thoughts if you're dressed immodestly, right? And so right away, what are we teaching our young women, our youth as they're growing up? We're teaching them that male sexuality is uncontrollable, 
that their desire is high, that it's focused on the female body and that is what pushes them to have sex. And and this isn't to say that the way our bodies look isn't important, but I think what's really interesting with Dr. Murray's research is the men found their partners attractive no matter if they were overweight, no matter if they were not as heavy, you know, it was just yeah. because they were their partner. And Dr. Emily Nagoski, she has a really great book called Come As You Are. And mm-hmm. she tells this story of this lady in it who had had a baby, right? If you've had a baby, you've been there where you're like, wow, none of my clothes fit. Your body image might just <laughs> blow up. And you're like, what is happening? And she was talking with her husband one night and just telling him like, I just, I'm so like embarrassed. I don't feel comfortable in my body. And she was like, look at my saggy boobs. Right. And he like touched her breast and he's like, I love that though. And like, look at my stretch marks. Like, I love that though. And he, they just went through all these different body parts. And yeah. at the end he was like, you don't see it. Like you don't see it. You grow sexier every day just because you're the woman I've chosen to share my life with. And mm-hmm. I just think because of these myths, we sometimes view our husbands in kind of an animalistic way, which I hate to say, but I think we kind of view them in this really shallow way and we miss their genuine bids for connection with us, that they Mm -hmm. want to love on us, that they love us because we're us, that they accept us in our flaws and in the things we struggle with. Even when our bodies change, they love that because it's ours. And of course, if you're realizing like, oh, maybe that isn't my relationship. My husband wants me to change my body. Maybe there's some unhealthy aspects going on that you can both work on because these myths are so ingrained in our society that sometimes it takes kind of calling out for both of us to start to work through them. But realizing like if my husband says no to sex, that isn't because he doesn't like me or because he doesn't think my body's attractive. Because who's been there? I have been there, right? It's like, you don't love me anymore. I must be ugly. But this myth of our husband's, of men's sex drive being based on how our bodies looks is so ingrained that if they say no, instead of realizing like, oh, he's tired. (laughs) Or like, oh, he has a big thing at work tomorrow. We're like, he doesn't love me, right? And so- Right. I think just kind of pulling apart those myths is so helpful in uncovering like what is holding you back and seeing your spouse for who they are and how much they love you. I love telling women like ask your husband like why do you like to have sex with me? Like why do you want to have sex with me? And you might be surprised by some of the answers. (laughs) I have never thought about that but I like that. I like that a lot. (laughs) And it could just be because it's fun and, you know, I love you, but like dig a little deeper, like tell me more. (laughs) Yeah. 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 No. And I love that. And I know that's something that I know that's something that I am trying hard to work at is not letting those kind of the, the myths get into my head, you know, and just, just enjoying it and just enjoying being with my husband. Like that's, that's the most important thing for me. So that's, what I'm trying to focus on. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say recognizing that like in a healthy relationship, they are going to want you to feel pleasure. They're going to want you to be present and enjoy 
what's happening. And I think so often as women, we focus on them and we kind of may see this as a chore, as something men need. That's another of the male sexuality myths that Mm -hmm. sex is a need. And so if you don't fulfill it, they might look at porn or have an affair. And that is like a total myth. (laughs) If that's the case and they're telling you that, like that is so unhealthy and they may need to get some extra help because we all can you know, choose how we channel our sexual desire and our sexuality. But when we focus on that and see, I totally lost my train of thought because I got off on (laughs) something else. (laughs) But yeah, just when we focus on seeing our spouses as they are and allowing their humanity and allowing them to love us and to see that they care about us, that can make the sexual encounters completely different because – we can say, hey, uh, can we try this? Or, hey, I, I don't love that, <laughs> you know? Can, can we try something else? Can we can we take a little more time? I'm struggling to get aroused and it's, you know, 10 minutes. <laughs> we yeah. need yeah. longer amounts of time here. Yeah, and I think that's, that is what needs to be done, at least in my situation of just, I need to communicate more, you know, and yeah. not just go through the same old, same old. It's It's communication that, Yes. I love that. I yeah. Love, yeah. And Just take time, communicate outside the bedroom before going in. I think that can be really helpful too, to decide like, Hey, what are we going to do when something doesn't feel good? Cause that can be hard in the moment. <laughs> You're like, stop. No one's in the mood. And then there you go. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> decide beforehand, like, what am I going to do when something feels good? How are we going to communicate that? How are we going to communicate if we want something different or we need more time or I've, or if so, someone has experienced sexual trauma and you get a trigger, like what are we gonna have to say? Hey, I, we need to stop for a minute. I need to regroup. Just so many things that can happen beforehand to make the sexual encounters more smooth and comfortable. <laughs> yes. Oh man, well, Ariel. Oh, I have loved this. I have loved chatting with you and I know we're just barely skimming the surface of (laughs) everything that you teach um okay so the first place that I found you was your podcast that's the first thing you told me about so that's ladies talking love right yes I got that right and then I guess everything everything Instagram is ladies talking love and then your brand new website which is fun um ladies talking love.com and you said that there might be an email list coming out that they can sign up for to just get more information. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a freebie on the website that you can sign up for. It's 10 questions that conversation starters to talk with your spouse about sex. And we have some super exciting things. We've got some mastermind groups coming out, which is just going to be a space for women to kind of share and learn together of like, Hey, this is something that's working. These are questions I have. And I'll facilitate all of those, the online courses, in-person courses, and just some fun, exciting stuff I'm excited about. (laughs) I am too. (laughs) I am too. Well, awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you for joining me. And now for everyone who's listening, we would love to continue this conversation. So you can find us over on Instagram at tabletop for moms. Make sure to hit that follow button so you don't miss any episodes. All right, everyone. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. 
Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.